Welcome to The Way Church. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For sermon notes, service times, and more information, check us out online at thewaychurchva.com. Now let's join Pastor Matt Rothy with this week's message. I want to invite all of you to open up to our second lesson this morning, which is from Romans chapter three. This is the lesson that's going to serve as the foundation of our sermon this morning. Romans chapter three, we're going to begin reading at verse 21 and continue on through Romans chapter four, verses one through eight. The apostle Paul writing to Christians in Rome said this, but now... Apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus." God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time. So as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Where there is their boasting? It is excluded. Because of what law? The law that requires works? No, because of the law that requires faith. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, accomplished according to the flesh that he discovered in this matter? If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the one to whom God credits righteousness apart from the law. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. The word of the Lord. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. There are two kinds of people in the world. There are those who follow the rules and what shall we say? There are those who blaze their own trail. There are those who 
notice notifications. And there are those content to let hundreds, maybe even thousands of little red dots populate their phone. There are those who cut their sandwiches correctly. And then there are those who do not cut their sandwiches correctly. I'll let you figure out which one you are. And lastly, there are those who are morning people. And then there are those who attempt to be morning people. It's a fun way to think, and oftentimes it's a funny way to think. We like to be binary in our thinking. Binary thinking means there are yeses and there's noes. There's black and there's white. There's a start, there's a stop. There's something happening or it's not happening. Something is good or something is bad. That's binary thinking. And we like to think that way, research tells us, because our minds actually crave that simplicity. Our minds actually long for that clarity and that understanding. Unfortunately, that's not how life works. And you know that. I know that. In fact, you know that's not how life works because that's not how you work. And this morning, we need to talk about just how complex of a person you are. We're going to talk about how complex of a person you are, but more than that, how beautifully simple and clear God's gospel is. Over the past month, we've been looking at five lies, five lies that our culture tells us or that we ourselves think and tell ourselves in our own minds that affect our identity, that affect our self-worth. This morning, we're looking at the last of those lies. We're wrapping up our series, and so I thought I'd offer a little bit of a quiz, okay? You remember what the five lies are that we looked at throughout this month? Not all at once. Can you give me one? All right, we'll start, we'll start the whole series over then. No, go ahead. What was it? I am what I do, that I am the things that I do, whether it's in my personal life, my professional life, or otherwise. And yet we saw God's amazing truth that Christ said, it is finished. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and stop, stop, stop doing and rest in me. I am what I do. One of the other lies? Yeah, I am what others say or what others think of me. And that is a tireless way to live because we're completely trying to serve people and to please people. But Paul tells us in Galatians, you can't please God and people. But we know that we have a God who is pleased with us for Jesus' sake. I am what others say or think of me. I am what I do. And the last one, or the first one really, I am what I have. We looked at the lie that we believe that I am what I have, but we saw the truth that God's word says, what you do have is an inexpressible, imperishable inheritance stored up for you in heaven that is yours in Christ Jesus. Those are the lies that we looked at throughout this month. There, there's lies that, or at least these five lies we're looking at that come to us because a gentleman who is interested in both theology and psychology put this list together of lies that, well, affect our Christian identity, lies that people across cultures tell themselves and often they themselves tell themselves about who they are. 
And so this last week, we're actually getting a two for one, a double bonus as we look at the last two lies in this list. Here they are. The first one is that I am nothing more than my worst moments. Nothing more than my worst moments. And the other lie is that I am nothing less than my best moments. So let's unpack those two lies, shall we? The first one is that I am nothing more than my worst moments. What this lie says is that if I've done something bad or I do bad things, I have permanently forever proven that I'm a bad person. I am a bad person that is irredeemable and unfixable because I'm nothing more than my worst moments. Maybe you've seen this lie played out in celebrity culture or or maybe even your own social circles. Someone who is pretty decent, has a somewhat okay reputation. They do something bad, they do a crime or they do something unethical. And what happens? Well, because they've done something bad, they are blacklisted and they are no longer allowed to be around the same people, the same places. Maybe they get fired from their job. They can't be around their same friends or they can't even be around their family anymore. This is cancel culture. And now just wait a moment because what I'm not saying is that people should not be held accountable for the things they do. What I'm not saying is that people should apologize, that there should be confession. But what I am saying is this, there is grace, there is forgiveness. There is encouraging other people, but that's not what this lie is about. This lie says you are nothing more than your worst moments. That is who you are. It's lie number one. What's lie number two? It's a lie that says I am nothing less than my best moments. And that means because I have done something that is good in the past, anything else that I ever do in the future can't be bad, no matter what happens. Again, you've seen this lie play out maybe in celebrity culture, maybe even in your own social circles. Someone does something that is bad, but because a long time ago, they've convinced themselves that they are nothing less than their best moments, they don't apologize. They don't say they're sorry. And even if they do apologize and confess up to what they did, they don't seem like they're actually sorry. What do they say? I made a mistake, but that's not who I really am. Yes, I know that I did something wrong, but that doesn't align with what my true character is. Because a long time ago, they've told themselves that the good things that I've done have proven that I am nothing less than my best moments. So what's going on here? What's going on with these two lies? Maybe you figured it out already, but well, these two lies are really just symptomatic of one bigger lie. A lie that says that in this world, there are either good people or bad people. There are good people who do good things and there are bad people who do bad things. And sure, there's a few people that fool us. There's a couple people out there who are really truly evil and bad and yet they cover it up with supposedly good things. And sure, there's some people out there who who get a bad rap. Maybe they hang out with the wrong crowd and people think they're bad, but they're really good. But for the most part, there's good people, there's bad people. 
and just think about the last time you scrolled through social. We apply this to people if we don't apply it to ourselves. Whether it's in sports or politics or celebrities, we think about people in terms of good or bad, heroes or villains. We do this to our own friends and family and social circles. We look at it and we say, well, yeah, some people are good and those tend to be my friends and family. And yeah, there's some black sheep out there. But now here's where the rubber hits the road on this lie. How do you apply the logic of that lie to yourself? Are you a good person or are you a bad person? Which is it? Well, you and I both know that you do good things. I'm looking at a group of people who I've seen good things. You've seen them do good things. And yet, in your own heart, you know you do bad things as well. You're a completely complex individual who does both good things and bad things. So which are you? Are you good or are you bad? And now you begin to see the real confusion, the real difficulty, the real fallacy of living a lie, basing your identity and your sense of self-worth based on your moments of good or bad. It's a complete confusion, back and forth kind of life because you know you've done good things. And try as we might, we take those good things and we take them into the low, bad portions of our life where we do things or see things or act in ways we wish we wouldn't have. And we try to take those good moments and cover them up, but that only lasts for so long. It's this complete back and forth between my best moments, my worst moments, and I define myself by these things, and it's complete confusion. Who am I? Am I a good person or am I a bad person? But that's what lies do. They confuse. Once upon a time, there was a man who was very, very confused by this lie. He was confused because he was a bright man who did a lot of good things and his family, his friends, and his culture, they recognized him for this. But he was a smart guy because he knew in his heart he did things that were bad and he did things that were wrong. And it wasn't only his culture that told him that you are no less than your best moments and no worse than your lowest moments. Sadly enough, it it was also his church. From a very early age, he came to believe because of what he heard, because of what was taught and what was preached to him, that God judged him according to his best moments or his worst moments. If he had a lot of good moments and did a lot of good, God would love him and give him heaven someday. But if he did a lot of bad things and had moments that were by and large bad, well, God would send him to hell. God would punish him eternally for the bad things that he did. And so he lived a life like so many of us do that is back and forth between our best moments and our worst moments, trying to figure out who he was. But his church gave him a list. His church helped him out by pointing out good things that he could do to be a good person or feel like a good person. And so he did what most of us would do. He got after it. He did all the good things. He gave up all the vices. He gave money generously to his church and to the poor, but it was never enough. And so he decided he was going to study to be in ministry as though somehow that was a good thing that got you closer to God. 
but that wasn't enough. So he decided he would move out to a monastery. He, he would become a monk and he would take on a life void of all of the luxuries of this world. And he would live in a room, lock himself in a room that had nothing but the bare essentials. And he would pray around the clock. He would fast for days and days on end. But what he noticed is even in those good moments, he wasn't sure if it was enough. And so he began to starve himself. He would even harm his body in hopes that this would somehow make up for the bad things that he knew he thought, that he knew he did in his past and in his presence. But no matter what he did, he always feared God because he didn't know who he was. It was an identity crisis back and forth between the good and the bad. Because like so many of you, this man did both good and bad things. But then something really remarkable changed everything for this man. He began to read his Bible, and not just a little. He read it again and again and again. He read it more and more and more. And after a while, he actually read it so much that he's recognized for his theological prowess, and he was asked to teach as a head of theology at a, at a university. And there he got to teach and preach on things like the Psalms, the book of Ephesians, and the book of Romans. And he read it, and he read it, and he read it. And what he found is that so much of what he had believed, so much of what his church had told him throughout his life, it clashed with what God's word was telling him. His name was Martin Luther. And one of the lies that he had believed throughout his entire life was that he got good with God by doing good things, that he was nothing less than his best moments and he was nothing more than his worst moment. And this lie trapped him in between a very up and down life that threw him into confusion personally and spiritually. You wanna know one of the verses that opened up his eyes to the truth? It was what you and I read just a moment ago from Romans chapter three. Martin Luther had always believed that his righteousness, his right standing before God was affected by the things that he did, the law, keeping it, doing everything that the law required. But then he read what you and I read in Romans chapter three, verse 21, that apart from the law, apart from doing things, Apart from that, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness, the righteousness of God, is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. One of the lies that Martin Luther grew up believing was that there were good people and there were bad people. There were good people who were like the saints, who were like monks and priests, and there were bad people who were like basically everybody else. But then he kept reading Romans chapter three, and what he read was this, that there is no difference between Jew or Gentile, for all have sinned. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Sin is the great equalizer. Everybody has sinned. Everybody has done wrong. Everybody has fallen short, but, but all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And yet all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Well, sin is the great equalizer. Christ Jesus is the even greater equalizer who gives redemption to all who believe. 
What that means is that God takes people who are sinners and he makes them righteous. He takes people who are guilty and he makes them innocent. He takes bad people and he makes them good. Now riddle me this, how? How is it that God takes the opposite and makes it what it is? How is it that God takes people who are completely bad, unrighteous, unholy people and makes them righteous, holy, pure, and blameless? If you hear anything that I'm saying today, take this with you. That when God speaks, reality results. When God speaks, reality results. When God speaks and calls you what you are, He's not just saying a thing, he makes you into that thing. This is how Romans explains it. And this is how he did it. Verse 25, God presented Christ as the sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. In other words, your standing, your rightness before God, it's got nothing to do with you. Your righteousness before God has everything to do with Jesus Christ who came for you, who lived for you, who died for you and rose for you 2,000 years ago. Your righteousness is not determined by the good things you do or the bad things to do. You are at one with God. Christ is the atoning sacrifice, the at one atonement for all your sins. And it's always been this way. It's always been this way for those of you who lived 2,000 years after Jesus and those of you who lived thousands of years before Jesus. The Apostle Paul talked about Abraham and David in this way. This is what Abraham believed. The Bible doesn't say that Father Abraham was good because he did good things. But what does Scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. This is what David believed. If you wanna think David was a good person because he was naturally good, go read the Psalms, go read what he did in 2 Samuel. I'll give you a hint. He was an adulterous, murderous liar. And yet, how does scripture talk about him? This is what it says. To the one who does not work, but trusts God. To the one who trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the one to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. And here is David's quotes, his words from Psalm 32. God's word says this, blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven. Blessed are those whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sins the Lord will not count against them. This is the word of your Lord. When God speaks, Reality results. As Martin Luther studied the Bible, the truth that became clear to him, the simple, beautiful, clear truth that was impressed upon him over and over and over again was this. You are not defined by your best moments or your worst. You are defined by one moment, what Christ did for you on Calvary, and really a moment that is outside of eternity, God loving you before time began. That's what defines who you are. This is the message 
of the gospel. It's a message that is powerful enough to take a monk who was from the backwaters of Wittenberg and turn him into one of the smoke's strongest, confident Christian leaders that our world has seen. It's a message that is so powerful that it launched a reformation and took churches that weren't based on the Bible and started them in Germany, moved them throughout Europe, and now are throughout all the world. This message of the gospel, it is something that is powerful enough to take a church and a group of people in Fredericksburg and grow it into something that is far bigger than any one individual, that is far bigger than anyone's worst moments or best moments. It is a message powerful enough to build a church because it is built on Christ who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am going to heaven to prepare a place for you. And I'm coming back to take you with me. If that message wasn't powerful enough to do all of that, at least for this morning, let's say this. It's powerful enough to defeat these lies. These lies that I am am nothing more than my worst moments and I'm nothing less than my best moments. Look at, let's, let's unpack these. What can you say about the lie that I am nothing more than my worst moments? Well, you can say this. When the devil throws your sins in your face and declares that you still deserve death and hell, tell him this. I admit that I deserve death and hell. What of it? So what? For I know the one who suffered and made satisfaction on my behalf. His name is Jesus Christ, son of God. And where he is, there I shall also be. You have something far greater than your worst moments. And it's your savior, Christ Jesus. He helps you in your worst and he also is there for you in your best. What can you say about the lie that I am nothing less than my best moments? You can say this. Now I should like to know whether your soul, tired of its own righteousness, is learning to be revived by and to trust in the righteousness of Christ. My dear friend, Learn Christ Jesus and him crucified. Learn to pray to him and despairing of yourself, say, Lord Jesus, you are my righteousness. I am your sin. You have taken upon yourself what is mine and you have given me what is yours. You became what you were not so that I might become what I was not. This is the gospel. This is the gospel that is there for you in your worst and it is there for you in your best that reminds me, you, that you have so much more than your best moments. You have a savior who has prepared a place for you in heaven. He has given you his righteousness. So now back to the question, who are you? It's a question we've been asking throughout this series. Let's talk just this morning. Are you a good person or are you a bad person? (laughs) Well, thankfully, there's someone who pointed out that there's two kinds of people in this world. There's the kind of people who say there's two kinds of people in this world, and there's those who don't. (laughs) Because the reality is you are not permanently bad. The truth is that you're not completely good, at least not on your own. In this life, you are both a sinner and a saint. 
And this is the truth. This is the truth of who you are. You are someone who is eternally, ridiculously, forever and always richly blessed. Because you are someone who is justified, you are someone who is saved, and you're someone who has a God, a God who speaks and reality results. A God who speaks and calls you and makes you someone who can do no wrong for Jesus' sake. A God who speaks and makes you into someone who can do stuff that is only right for Jesus' sake. A God who speaks and makes you holy, blameless, and righteous for Jesus' sake. A God who speaks and makes you his child. When God speaks, reality results, and God makes you who you are. Amen.